Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. My name is Gabby and with my husband Bronson, we are the pastors of this location and it's an honour to do that um, and be, be pastors here. And last Sunday was the culmination of that. What did we have? We had baptisms. And what an amazing Sunday, hey? It was great to see God. And, you know, we just came out of this series called Move Again. And last Sunday, watching people be baptised, you can see God moving and stirring in people's hearts and lives. And that is why we pastor, hey? Such an exciting thing that we get to do. And, you know, during our Move Again series, we heard some incredible testimonies of healings, life transformations. Can I encourage you, if you missed any of those messages or you know someone who needs to hear them, please get onto our podcast, watch our YouTube, because those messages will change someone's life. Okay, I encourage you, do it. It will impact them so, so much. And you, you may want to listen to them again, okay? You know, today I have the privilege of starting a new uh, five-week series for Easter. And as we just watched, it's called, now I'm going to say it with the proper language, it's called Via Dolorosa. And you might be wondering, what is Via Dolorosa? And Via Dolorosa, as Lee said, she might as well preach from this morning, it's the language way for saying way of suffering or way of grief. Do you know, in Italian, the word dolore means pain. Therefore, the way of pain, way of suffering. Do you know, this was, it's a route and it's a series of roads, approximately 600 metres in length, in the old city of Jerusalem. That is believed to be the path that Jesus walked on to his crucifixion. Do you know, during this Easter series, we are going to take this route um, you know, a path through the Bible as we look at Christ's journey towards the cross. And as we do that, we're going to highlight some different moments in the life and ministry of Jesus. And we will get some insight into who he is and what he came to do. And it will culminate at our Easter weekend services with the events of Good Friday and then celebration of Resurrection Sunday. Hey, it's going to be amazing. Why don't we pray this morning? I thank you, Father. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that as I speak today, you anoint my words. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are touching people's hearts and minds. They have an openness to receive whatever it is that you have for them this morning. We thank you, Father, in your mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 I want to share a story with you this morning. When I was young, I know it's quite some time ago. We would spend a lot of time outside. You know, we were, as youngsters, we were always tanned. We had no pale skin because we were outside all the time. And why is that? Because we didn't have any Xboxes. There were no Playstations. There were no Wiis. There were no mobile phones or little devices. We had to go outside and entertain ourselves. Okay, we had to find something. Do you know, I remember when I was 10 years old, Yes, it's a long memory. Oh. Yes, thanks, Dave. <laughs> I had my heart set on a pair of white leather roller skates with red wheels and a red stopper. Now, I think we have a picture. Can we show that picture? Like, 
Come on. I'm sure there are some people who remember those today. Do you know when I had to look that up? This is how sad. I had to go into retro. I turned to vintage. Vintage pictures. Oh my goodness. Do you know, I had seen them at Big W. Big W. Big store then. We didn't have all these fancy stores we have now. And they were $25. Yeah. It was a lot of money 35 years ago. It's a lot of money. And you know, back then, I used to get $1 pocket money each week. Do you know, and my parents, they were hardworking people. And, do you know, they weren't just going to pick up these roller skates for me while they were going to do the supermarket that week. It wasn't going to be something that they would do. Or, you know, I wasn't able to text them while I'm out and say, Mum, Dad, can you get me those roller skates? Just like, I don't know, parents, if you're here today, my children do when I'm at the supermarket. Mum, can you pick this up? Mum, can you pick that up? That wasn't going to happen. If I wanted these roller skates, I was going to have to save. And that I did. I saved. I would put each cent away. And when I say each cent, we had ones and two cents there. So it's true. I used to put one and two cents away. Do you know, I would ask for extra chores, whatever it was. I would find them on the street, pick them up, and I would save it because I would be able to achieve my goal quicker. Do you know, I remember I went into Big W and they were at the end of the aisle. You know when they put the special items at the end of the aisle? And I still remember this $25 and these shiny roller skates. I went into Big W, I picked up my box and I went to the lay-by counter. Now there's a lot of people here, they're like, what's lay-by? This shows the age. Well, lay-by, for those who don't know, is basically the store would hold the product for you while you paid it off. None of this after-pay business where you take it home and then you pay. No. You had to work for it, pay it, and then it was a massive reward at the end. Do you know, um, I would go in every few weeks with my $2, $3, and I'd pay off my labour. You know, when I walked in for that final payment, oh, the excitement. Couldn't, couldn't get that box quick enough. You know, I was just so excited and I spent so much time. I remember rolling up and down my street, scratched knees, ripped clothes, all of it. But I loved it. I loved those roller skates. Do you know, has there ever been something in your life that you had your heart or your mind set on? Is there anything? Do you know, maybe like me as a child, it was a toy. But you know, as adults, we have toys as well that we want. Cars, jewellery, clothes, if you're my husband, tech, whatever it is. Maybe it's a promotion at work, a relationship, a financial goal. For some, it's that retirement. Retirement's coming. You know, you're so resolute and fixed on this goal. And why? Why do you want this? Why? Usually for us, it's selfish reasons, hey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just want it to be cool in my white leather roller skates with the wind blowing in my hair as I roll up and down the streets. I'm not sure I quite achieved it. But, you know, only you can say what it is for you. Only you know. Let's have a look today at a verse in Luke, which is today's main verse. It's, if you have your Bibles, turn to it, otherwise the scriptures will be on the screen. It's Luke 9.51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, 
Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Do you know, so here we see Jesus being resolute and fixed on his goal. The word resolute means to be purposeful, determined, unwavering. His goal was the cross. He knew what he had to do. Unlike our selfish goals, which are often to progress or to establish, to lift ourselves or to promote ourselves, here we see Christ. His drive towards the cross was his great love for humanity. And do you know what that is? That's his great love for you and for me. That's why he was so resolute. Jesus fixing himself on the cross echoes prophecy from the Old Testament. In Isaiah 50, verse 7, it says, But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. You know, if you're like me, you're like, what is a flint? This is old school language, really. Like me, I'm not so clever. So setting your face like flint means you expect that something that you're going to do is going to be hard, right? But you are determined to be harder and get it done. So here he is, he's setting his face like flint. He's going for it. In the Bible, passages of scripture, because I know you all read your Bible, so you're all going to know what I'm saying. Sometimes they have headings in them, don't they? Different little passages have headings. And Isaiah 50, the heading of that is the obedient servant. And Jesus was an obedient servant. He was obedient to God's mission and cause, which was to save humanity and bring us back and restore the relationship between man and God. You know, likewise, it's not just for Jesus. God calls us calls every single believer, each one of us today. It's not just for the pastors, not just for us. It's not just for the leaders. But he calls all of us to disobedience. You know, this obedience is not driven by fear, striving or obligation. It is instead driven by love. Yeah, come on. You know, just like Jesus went to the cross for love, we are obedient to follow God's desires for our life. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commands. Really small but very, very powerful. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Today, as we remember La Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering, Christ's journey to the cross, I have some thoughts for us to how we can be fixed and resolute on the goal. If you're taking notes, write these down. Otherwise... They'll be on the screen. But number one, we are to lay down our life. John 10, 18 says, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. See, Jesus set his face to Jerusalem because he chose to die. His death was not an incident of his life because of what he'd done in his life. It was the aim of it. The aim of him coming was for him to die. And he chose to do it. How powerful. Jesus laid down his life voluntarily. But it's not just 
for Jesus. And this is the challenge today. We are called to also voluntarily lay down our life for God's mission and cause. Come on, Gab. And for those around us. So good. You know, we put outside our desires, our wants, our plans, our will, our future to say, not my will, but your will be done. It really is for us a call to surrender. You know, surrender is, is it's, it's easy when life's going smoothly, isn't it? It's very easy to say, yeah, God, here, I'll hand it over when everything is, you know, butterflies and rainbows. But surrender to God's will when the times are tough and the struggles are hard and you can't pay the bills and everyone's fighting. That's hard in those struggles and trials. Romans 12:1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, John Piper made this statement, to be a Christian means to be like Christ. To be like Christ means to be loved as he, that means to love as he loved. And how did he love? He loved as one who serves. Come on. As one who lays down his life for his friends. Life, you know, living life ruled by love, let's be honest, it means making hard choices, doesn't it? Love will always cost you something. It's going to cost you, but not loving is going to cost you much more. You know, love requires sacrifice and laying down our own wants and desires. And the only person we can ever lovingly sacrifice is ourselves. If you have a successful relationship today or friendships in your life, you will understand this. If you're a parent, this is your daily, hourly, minute thing. You are sacrificing every minute of the day for love. That's right. Something going on here. (laughs) Because that's what we do when we love. We sacrifice for those that we love. You might be here today and you're thinking, really? Why would I want to do that? Why am I going to want to let it all go? This is the funny thing. You can spend your whole life chasing something and never find it. Or you can put God and others first and find that what what you want chases you down. So, you know, we can spend all that time looking for something. But if we put God first, if we put God first, in a lot of cases, what you're after comes and chases you because your priorities are Amen. See, what I know is this, that God knows the desires of my heart. He knows the desires of yours. He knows your innermost thoughts. And when I come to him obedient, surrendered to his will, do you know what? Anything is possible. Anything. Brings me to point two. We are to take up our cross. Matthew 16, 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We start by laying down our lives, but we continue by taking up our cross. You know, taking up our cross means aligning our lives with Jesus, saying yes to his way, 
Yes. I'm not going to lie. That's hard. It's so hard to do. It is embracing his mission, being led by the Holy Spirit, fighting against ourselves. Because let's be honest, we're human. We don't want to do the things that we don't want to do. And being prepared to endure whatever challenges come our way as we follow him faithfully. Do you know this week, I had an example of my little son, Roman. So for those who don't know, we have three children, a beautiful Joelle, who's going to be 18 in July. Ethan, who's teaching in kids' church today, who's 15. And our youngest, Roman, seven, who is probably running a muck in kids' church. Now, Roman came to me this week, and he was a little bit upset after school. Because every time he jumps in the car, I'm like, hey, mate, how was your day? And he's like, oh... I had a fight with one of my friends. And it's like, it's not quite unusual, you know, kids, there's something. And I'm like, what happened, mate? And he said, you know, what's his name said? I'm weird. Yeah. I said, oh, okay. It was awkward. Uh, why are you weird? What did he say? And he said, I'm weird because I go to church. Oh. Wow. He's seven. Yeah. He's weird because he goes to church. And I'm like, mate, you're not weird. You're doing exactly what God wants you to do. Come on, that's great. But, but you know, even at the age of seven, it's going to cost you. But what do we do? We make a stand. It'll cost me. That's okay. And you know, he's so resolute. And then the fights start of these theologies. And I'm like, come on, mate. But do you know what? At seven years old, he's decided for his age, that's him taking up his cross and allowing himself. So powerful lesson for us today. If the keys would come. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. You're probably like today. Gabby, uh, this message is a little bit heavy. I didn't really come to church for this today. But can I say, the cross and the journey that Jesus took, it was hard. It was heavy. There was no choose your own adventure, skip five things. and No, it was hard. And he didn't stop. Come on, Gab. And also, we can be here. Let's look at this word of encouragement. Romans eight seventeen. Now, if we are children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Do you know, taking up our cross is our Via Dolorosa. It's not easy. It's not a Sunday stroll. It's not what the Italians call una passeggiata, where they go out for the evening and just have an enjoyable time. It's a hard and rugged way. In taking up our cross, we're going to share in his sufferings. And I know it's scary. I know. 
But with God, there is always a but. Yeah, that's great. We also get to share in His glory. He's been glorified. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to bring glory to Jesus. I want all the things that I have to go through and all the things that my kids go through to mean something and to bring glory to Jesus. And I know that's the prayer of your heart today too. I know. Charles Spurgeon says this, There are no crown wearers in heaven who were not cross bearers here below. Wow, that's great. My third point is this. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus resolutely fixed his eyes on Jerusalem, ultimately towards the cross. Nothing would distract distract him from it. Nothing. Not his disciples, not his mother, not the religious leaders, not the Roman Empire, not the crowds. Do you know, not even Satan with all his temptations. He did not allow anything to come between him and it. And you know what? I am so grateful for that and thankful for that. Is there anyone else here that's thankful? If you are, you should give him a shout of praise. Come on. Now for us, the focus is not our cross. It's Jesus. Our focus is not the cares and the worries of this world. It's Jesus. Our focus is not how successful we are in life. It's Jesus. It's not about my shiny car, my big diamonds, not about how well my kids are doing in school, what sort of job I have. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's your focus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, church, if you go through life with your eyes downcast, what do you see? You see the rubbish in the gutters. When your eyes are down, you see the stuff on the floor. And the stuff on the floor is rubbish and garbage. When we lift our eyes and fix our eyes on heaven, we see Jesus. We see Jesus, the one who brings us hope, the one who gives us a future, the one who gives us purpose, the one who makes everything that we're going through worth it. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Can I ask you today, what are you fixing your eyes on? Our kids? Are you fixing your eyes on your kids? Your relationships? Your bank account? What the government's saying? Our careers? All our to-do lists? Psalm 16, 8 says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With Him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Come on. I will not be shaken. With eyes resolutely fixed on Jesus, we don't let anything distract us from Him. Not the pursuit of success, not the suffering that we might incur, 
not good things, not bad things. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Do you know when a horse is in a race, they put these blinkers on? They put blinkers on because if they saw what was happening, those horses, it would distract them. Fix your eyes on Jesus and it keeps you on track. It keeps you on purpose. If we think how I started the story today of really desperately wanting my white leather roller skates with my root stoppers. You can see how cool I was, yeah? You can see it now. I had curly hair then, so I had lots of curly hair blowing in the breeze. You know, I was determined to do whatever I needed to do to get them. Everything. You know, that's an easy, simple story, I know. And life gets much, much deeper than that. But today, think about what it is for you. What are you striving toward? What are you so determined to achieve? We all have these desires. We all do. What if, today, church, what if I or we wanted Christ that much? We'd do everything that we could to have more of Him. Could you imagine the impact on this world when people are so hungry and so desperate for Jesus? I say, wow. And the other thing I say is, devil, watch out. When you have people on fire, passionate, hungry, and do anything to get more of Jesus, powerful. A.W. Tozer said, We become like that which we habitually admire. Therefore, the most important task of the Christian is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. You become what you habitually admire. If I admire Jesus, I become someone with a passion and a fire that no one can extinguish. You know, it reminds me of this hymn. It was an old hymn that we used to sing. I had to look it up. Was called the he- it's called The Heavenly Vision, but it's also known as Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus by Helen Lemel. Now, I'm not as talented as Pastor Bronson, so I can't jump out in soul. No, I don't want your ears to bleed. So I'm not going to sing the lyrics, but these are the lyrics. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. How powerful. Today I ask us, what might happen, church, if we turn our eyes on Jesus? What might happen? What would happen in your life? What would happen in your family's life? Your friends, those around you. What would happen in our church? if we resolutely fixed our eyes on Jesus. See, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where he'll encounter La Via Dolorosa. We've begun our journey towards Easter. And as we look towards Easter, can I encourage us, let's take some time today, this week, to ponder, to pray, to meditate and ask ourselves, Am I truly laying down my life for the mission of Christ? Am I ready to embrace the suffering and glory of the cross-bearing life? 
and am I willing to tune out the distractions of life and fix my eyes on Jesus? Let me leave you with one last quote. John Piper said, Like Flint, Jesus' determination was unmovable and unchangeable. He set his face towards Jerusalem, knowing the suffering that awaited him, yet unwavering in his resolve to accomplish the salvation of mankind. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Father. Do you know in this place today, you may be saying, God, why did you do this for me? Why did you go towards this cross, this way of suffering? I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. You might be here today saying, I don't know this. I don't know this Jesus. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to know this Jesus. To know this Jesus that he knew that at some stage you'll be sitting in a church and the offer will go out to know him that you would say, yes, I want to follow this man who gave his life for me, gave his life for me. Regardless of the things I've done in my life, regardless of the shame, regardless of the guilt, regardless of the sins, regardless of everything I've done, doesn't matter. He still died for me, for me. So this morning, if that's you in this place, you've never met this Saviour Jesus, who hung on a cross on Calvary so that you could have salvation and relationship with the Father. I want to give you an opportunity today. While all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, if you want to get to know this Jesus, I want to ask you to be bold and brave. I'm the only one looking. If you would raise your hands in this place. To get to know this Jesus, to go on this journey with Him, to restore your life, to bring purpose back to your life, to give you hope, to give you purpose for your future. If that's you in this place today, I'd love you to lift your hand. We're going to say a short prayer today, and I'd love everyone to say it with all heads bowed and eyes still closed. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. That Jesus, we can have relationship with you. We thank you. And we say today, Jesus, I give you my life. 